filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. my in-laws family lake house which was built literally out of the sears catalog by my wife's literal uncles in the 1970s and uh that's pretty cool it's 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 great i love this house i love this lake area it's incredibly redneck out here in rural kentucky but i love so much about this place it's it's wonderful uh i even had probably the best emergency room experience of my life today uh, wait wait here. okay hold on hold on how many other emergency room experiences have you had uh let's see i broke my collarbone on the merit school field playing uh league soccer uh i went to the emergency room as a kid with not regularity but some frequency um i went in college or in high school i sliced part of my toe open and went to the emergency room so, I mean, I, it, it, it's non-zero. It's not like a frequent right. thing. But this was the only time that I had like a really good intellectual conversation with the doctor while he was stitching me up. So that was, that okay. was pretty cool. And not what I was expecting. What did you do? In, uh, so I was uh, walking through my bedroom here in the lake house. And, you know, on some bed frames, they have like the plate where you attach the baseboard. Well, this bed frame has one of those that doesn't have a baseboard. So I was walking and not paying that close of attention because I'm just walking through the bedroom. What could possibly happen? The answer is you bang your shin right into that baseboard and lacerate your, oh. uh, your leg. And you have to go get six stitches because your, uh, your leg looks like gory Halloween makeup, which, you know, actually pretty realistic stuff they, they do with that Halloween makeup. Or Hollywood as I, because that is what my leg looked like. As I told Adam on the pre-show, that is the maximum amount of graphicness I want. I can't do any more graphic than that. I, I could go deeper, but out of respect of no, no, and no you can't. You, I'm not going to. Won't. I won't. Adam, Adam, I edit this podcast. I edit very little, but I will definitely <laughs> edit out any Adam, more gory descriptions of your leg. Out of out of respect for That's Ben. Fair. I, Adam, I will say I have done something similar, not to with a bed frame, but I won't go any further detail. But I I can picture what happened to you because it's kind of happened to me, as well. Yeah. Also, I was, I was... also, Adam can't go in the lake anymore. So I think Jason <clears throat> and I are correct that Adam's not going in the lake. Except okay. that I already have Sean in the lake, and I bought waterproof bandages to put over my, my stitches specifically so that I can continue going in the lake because the stitches come out in 10 days. I'm here for 10 more days and I'm not going to not jump in the lake again. I'm sorry. So I'm going to, you know, get some ointment and some, I, I have some waterproof bandages. I, I didn't try them today. I decided to, you know, respect the, the, the medical instructions for one day. Um, but yeah, I will just 
clean it religiously after I get out of the lake uh, every time and, you know, see what happens, you know. Uh, but, yeah, the doctor Adam, was don't, Adam, don't, down here. don't, don't get your leg amputated, please. I won't get my leg amputated. If it starts getting infected, I will go back to the ER where I had a great experience. And the doctor, I, I straight up told the doctor, I'm probably going to jump in the lake. See, uh, also, see what did he say? Also, also he, he said, all right, get a waterproof bandage. Make sure it feels really good. Like, he was actually like, I understand. Uh, here, here's how to maximize your chance of not having your leg amputated. So that was very, again, great experience with Dr. Flowers in the ER. Um, see, see, Adam, what but, I'm hearing is that the lake has already taken over and is now using your vocal cords to voice pro-lake propaganda <laughs> on the podcast rather than uh, this being Adam speaking. This is the lake trying to encourage other people with cuts to get in the lake. I mean, yes, well, a lake I, I would say this. <laughs> I already have gotten in the lake pre-cut, pre-laceration. I did get in the lake. There's mm. video of That's me on what TikTok a lake would say. Jumping, yeah. jumping in the lake. This ben all has sounds... seen it and liked it on TikTok. So I, it, 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 I'm not lying. It's there at 202 AMT on TikTok if you want to check it uh, to make sure I'm not lying. I'm sure anyway, this, is, this account is going to become at lake T, uh, AMT and then before long, just at lake Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Lakes Are Awesome podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, slash Baron You're River Adam Lake. Laker. Please don't call me that. Uh, joined, as always, by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United, the Washington Spirit, and lots more. Uh, this year' podcast is mostly about DC United. That's what we're talking about tonight. We have a one nothing Atlantic Cup victory. To break down for you tonight and then later in the week we will have laurel failer from the queen city press on to help us preview dc united's upcoming trip to play fc cincinnati they'll be uh in the queen city on saturday you can watch it at 7 30 on nbc sports washington and tell exitos stream it on dcunited.com or espn plus depending on where you are if you're like me out here in kentucky you, uh, you're going to watch it on espn plus if you are closer to home uh, in the, the geofenced area that Ben has broken down so helpfully on Black and Red United. You'll probably watch it on dcunited.com if you're streaming. Uh, before we get to anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, well, I actually went out earlier. A friend of mine came back from a trip and was like, this trip did not uh, calm any of my stresses because I was a parent for the trip. And he happened to be getting in at BWI. He's like, does anyone want to meet me for a happy hour drink? So I went out to Crooked Crab Brewing in Odenton, Maryland. Uh, had a couple of pretty high-end beers. They they got a great pilsner called uh, Gnarly Shredder. Um, that's pretty good. I had a few other, or a couple other samples. I shouldn't say a few other because it wasn't that big of a night of drinking. Uh, but because of all that drinking at Crooked Crab, which I do recommend, uh, I am scaling it back for the podcast, so I'm just having a tangerine-flavored uh, LaCroix. But if you're in Androna County and you would like to get a growler filled or just have a couple of pints, Crooked Crab is a, a good spot. Yeah. Ben, what are you drinking? So, I also went to a lake this weekend, but it was a private lake where they uh, all the water is treated uh and it's all chlorinated it's basically like a large sandy bottom pool which is great and they just like allow alcohol there they don't allow any glass but you can just bring your own alcohol and it's fine don't worry about it just be chill 
And so we did that. Um, uh, we had poured uh, champagne into uh, uh, hydro flasks and we were having uh, mimosas at the lake. And we still had a little bit of uh, of champagne left over. So I'm having just a little bit of champagne. It's crappy champagne, but, you know, why not? Hey, We I beat like the it. Red Bulls. I deserve champagne. Yes, you, guys you, are, you guys are both, uh, I think, agents of Big Lake. <laughs> I, I can assure you we are, in fact. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. This is a pro-Lake podcast. Official policy. Uh, I am drinking a Great Lakes Dortmund or Gold. Lake? Water. Again, Lake? <laughs> Great Lakes. Yes, didn't even me. plan that one. <laughs> uh, I was going to have some of the IPA I picked up at Wolf Hills Brewing in Abingdon, Virginia, on our way here. Um, totally cromulent IPA um, that I got a growler of while we were passing through, and uh, it... it there wasn't enough left to, to have a full beer for this podcast. So I skipped it and grabbed the, the Dormunder Gold because it was a gold lager and sounded good. Reminded me of the tradition from DC Brow, which was also a, a gold lager. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a fine beer. It's a lake beer, I would go so far as to say. Uh, On to the soccer. I think we have to, we have to dial back the lake talk, at least for a little while, because we have, we have a good – Results to, to talk about. DC United officially has a leg up in the 2021 Atlantic Cup after beating the Metro Saturday at Audi Field one to nothing. Ola Kamara uh, scoring a goal in the first half to make the difference. Uh, but we're not going to start off talking about Ola. Uh, we are going to start off talking about the actual man of the match, uh, someone who's been performing really well this year, even if he doesn't have the assists and goals to show for it. But uh, had an assist, could have had a couple more. Almost had a goal of the year candidate. Julian Gressel had himself a game, Jason. Yeah, he was uh, pretty spectacular. This was not a uh, particularly aesthetically pleasing game. There weren't a lot of chances created by anyone. Uh, and what chances were created, I mean, like 90% of them came from Julian Gressel. Um, Combined over both teams. Yeah, he, he uh, like literally I pulled up the um, the team sends out post-game stats uh, from Opta and there's a little chances created column. And if I'm, I don't have it up now, but if I'm not mistaken, uh, in terms of key passes, it was Julian Gressel had four. One, I think Ola Kamara had one. And then no player from either team had any others. So uh, <laughs> quite literally 80% of the chances in the game that someone created them with a pass to somebody else, it was Julian Gressel, which means one, uh, he's thriving in a game that was otherwise all about pressure and defensive shape. Uh, he's still finding ways to do something to make an impact on the game. Um, I did ask him after the game if uh, how close that 70-yard uh, effort was, and he said that he was already celebrating, but then he saw the replay and that it turned out it was a little further away than he thought uh, from the field. But um, he was still, I think, pretty amused by it. I mean – you know, you win one nothing, and then you can you can laugh about your seventy yard miss. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty much a I mean, not just team of the week worthy, but player of the week worthy performance. I think um, we've been trying to sort of sell people a little bit on the idea that Gressel's been better than the the top line 
stats indicate. Um, he should have more than three assists on the season. He should have had three assists in this game. Um, right, exactly. Um, yeah, this was this was. If you've got any reservations about how Gressel's been playing, this is the game where you should probably put those reservations to the side and admit that maybe you were incorrect because he was pretty great. Yeah. Like I said on Twitter, like Julian Gressel was the best player for DC United in this game. He might be the best attacking player on DC United this season. And if you don't recognize at least those possibilities, you're not really watching DC United. He's excellent and he just he puts great balls in all the time and if Hernan Losada gets his way he was talking about uh uh maybe looking at the transfer market for more uh, uh attacking players I feel like Julian Gressel's assists are only going to go up or even if just people start uh, uh, just like bungling into his passes, like Kevin Paredes almost bungled into a pass and should have scored a goal. Uh, it, things are only going to get better for Julian Gressel. Yeah, what impressed me most was actually the the defense. He was in his anticipation was mm-hmm. fantastic in this game. Like the the assist and the almost goal and uh, another through ball he had to Ola Kamara who bungled it. Um, all came from jumping a pass uh, that was either under hit or just telegraphed. And he was able to close down the space, get in front of the intended recipient, and just take it in stride and go. Or in the case of the shot, take the shot first time like it was a pass to him instead. Um, It was really, really impressive to see his reading of the game from that right wing back spot. Um, And it, it just, it basically shut the Red Bulls down. They didn't, they, they kind of stopped trying to go down that side of the field, uh, at least trying to hit those crosses or those, those diagonals into that space because he was just there before the attacker every single time. And it was really impressive. I thought. Uh, can I, can I just throw in that if you look at, if you look at the actual assist, um, we've yep. talked a little about Gressel's speed and fitness levels looking higher this year. And I don't think there's a better distillation than that then not just that he reads the situation well, but that his speed is what catches the whole reason Amro Tarek doesn't get that ball off of his feet fast enough to avoid Gressel is that he is surprised by how fast Gressel arrives. And it's not mm-hmm. just an anticipation thing. It's also just last year, Julian Gressel doesn't cover this that much ground in this small amount of time. Um, and that is the difference between another frustrating draw and a win because it turned out DC needed this one more chance because the finishing wasn't there on the other chances that Gressel created. Um, they needed one more that was this level of a chance. Um, and thankfully he managed to do most of the work and then, you know, good finish from Ola Kamara. He seems to be now uh, good for one good finish per game at this point. It seems like even when, you know, we still have con- have reasons to be concerned, the guy can't seem to get lucky and just play 90 minutes um, this time. Uh, clearance catches him in the face um, and he ends up having to leave the game at halftime. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a plus to see that uh, United is not just like, well, we had our one big chance and that's it. Um, Because there was a little bit of that earlier in the season. Maybe they could carve out the one. And if it didn't go in, then you kind of had to settle for maybe we're not going to win this game. Um, And instead they kept at it. It wasn't, 
pretty or or anything like that. But they one, they never let the Red Bulls back into the game. Uh, and then two, mm-hmm. they did keep hammering away at them and still had their threats going the other way. So even though there wasn't a lot in the game, um, I do think that DC overall and the, you know, Gressel and Kamara in particular, they did do the job. Um, and that's not a small thing. The Red Bulls whole thing is like, we don't want to let you do the thing that you're trying to do. Yeah, going back to Gressel, I saw some Atlanta fans arguing on Twitter this weekend about whether they want Gressel. They would, they're mad about Gressel not being there anymore. They wish he was back. Some of them are like, Lennon is really good too, and he's doing great in that spot. He had Atlanta's assist this weekend. But then others are like, watch the tape of Gressel and tell me you don't want that here. He wasn't even doing that when he was here, and now he's doing it in D.C. And I, I think you're right, Jason. It's the heightened fitness that Losada demands. That, that's helping with some of it, but also just Gressel's obviously a student of the game to, to some extent and has, he understood what the job was and what was going to be happening and mm-hmm. executed well, also, really, really well. At this point, uh, given what's happened uh, at Atlanta and what's been happening at DC United, I, I, like, I don't care what Atlanta fans say anymore. They should be uh, envious of us because we're, we're now more of a model franchise than they are. We've, we've taken <laughs> all their good things and, and we make them sad about it. So uh, I don't know. Do we have a rapper? I, I don't, I don't care. Stadium? What? Do we have a rapper living in our stadium? I don't know if uh, that's good or bad, I don't, but that's something yeah, Atlanta I, in has this that we per- don't. In this particular case, uh, this is no. not a rapper that I would want living in Audi Field. I would no. want this person to leave. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't yeah want, I don't want Kanye. I, I don't want Kanye just occupying a locker room that makes the opposing team go to the backup locker room. That that's that seems bad. They've apparently changed the sign on that locker room too. It's now a studio. <laughs> like they're they're accommodating Kanye down there. Um, anyway, back to particular game of soccer um jason got into it a little bit the the pattern of the game was not for the aesthetic purist i would say it was as as our guest last week mark fishkin predicted it was it, it was a game of you take the ball no you take the ball i don't want it you take the ball um and dc united won that battle they they had notably less possession than the red bulls because they were able to i guess keep in the defensive phase, it was, it was a weird dynamic, but DC United, you know, I, I saw people talking about the 60 something percent pass completion rate that DC United had. And that was part of the game plan. It was, it was really what Matt Doyle has referred to as demolition derby soccer, but it was on purpose. It was for a reason. It was to avoid getting pressed and to set up the opportunities to press the Red Bulls. And it worked like it obviously worked because the Red Bulls had no shots on or off target in the first half. And I think forced one save uh, out of mm-hmm. Bill Hamid. Just meanwhile, one. DC, meanwhile, DC, you know, had the better and more chances throughout the entire game. So it, it obviously worked. Um, I don't want to see this game plan really against anybody else, but against the Red Bulls, it's, it's almost a necessity. Yeah. I mean, DC out Red Bulled the Red Bulls. And after so many years of, the Red Bulls come to Audi Field and force that game on DC and DC's not prepared for it or has already had one one go of it and is better prepared for it, but is still not actually 
there's no solution other than hopefully they'll overcommit and we can hit them on the counter. And that's, that was pretty much it for years. Um, it was very nice to see uh, a team that went in believing that they could be the pressing team of note in the game. Um, that despite this being the Red Bulls visiting, that DC felt more confident in their pressing structure and also um, their ability to manage the game that they were able to actually do those things. It wasn't just a, well, let's see if this works. It was a, like, we can do this better than those guys. Um, And that is how you end up, you know, yes, DC went very direct, but it also meant uh, a sort of a, um, a risk aversion on the ball and a direct approach meant that the Red Bulls could not generate the chances the way that they tend to generate chances, which is through their press. Um, They just could not, find the ball long enough to to do that and so um it was you know dc plays a similar style of play to the red bulls now but what's good to see here is that the red bulls have been doing this for many years dc hasn't and yet dc is ahead of them anyway um that goes pretty far uh that is a big deal i think in not just in regards to this game and in this rivalry but in this conference, because now we've seen, you know, DC, Philly, and the Red Bulls are the three pressing teams of note in the East. The Red Bulls have shown that if you try and press with DC, you'll you'll not come out on top. And the Union have shown that they they read in advance. They said, you know what, we can't press with these guys. We have to do something else. Um, and it's irritating that Philly has managed to do something else successfully enough to win those games. Um, but the fact that they're being forced away from what they want to do, it speaks to what DC is doing from a tactical perspective and from a the collective effort perspective. Um, and it also speaks to, you know, Losada referred to this game as in a way kind of a miracle because of how shorthanded DC is, how much changing they've had to do to the roster to keep the lineup fresh enough to press at all. Um, players were being asked to give a little extra. Um, I don't think Drew Skundrich was meant to play more than an hour in this game coming back from an injury. Um, Just as one example, Kevin Paredes, I think they had to leave him in longer than they had planned by a few minutes. Um, So yeah, this was, you know, DC having to dig extraordinarily deep uh, and it might, it may have a consequence. I mean, it's good that there's not a Wednesday game this week because I don't know I don't yeah. know what DC would have left to give for a Wednesday game. I mean, the three of us would be starting if DC United had a Wednesday game this week. And I mean, that, that would be yeah. terrible. At the I very mean, least, Cincinnati is three and a half hours from here. I could I could be there. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, I don't have to. At the very least, it would be like Sam Leg uh, dressing. Like, maybe it's not us, but, you know, Sam, Sam's closer to his playing days than we are. So um, maybe it'll be him. Uh, maybe the other Speaking- staff. Uh, I mean, speaking of players uh, like Ernan Losada could dress. He's much closer to playing sure. days at a much better level than the three of right. us. But yeah, it's it's very good that DC doesn't have one more game this week. That they're you know yes, the schedule congestion is coming up. Um, but it's very important this week that they got some time off uh, to recuperate and to you know, also recalibrate tactically a little bit because these coming games are not against teams that play like the Red Bulls. So that's another uh, aspect that we have to think about. But it's, you know, DC had to go 
had to kind of prepare themselves for, uh, you know, when we had Mark Fishkin on last week, he talked about a rock fight and that is kind of what they had to go do. And that's very physically demanding. It's very physically draining. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of a positive surprise that DC had enough in the tank to do it because when you look at how banged up the group is, how many guys are, you know, yes, they can play, but maybe they can't play more than 45 minutes, et cetera. Um, this was, this was a very difficult task. And the fact that they managed it without, it's not like, oh, they got lucky or, oh, the, the Red Bulls had a red card early and that's why you know, DC won the game by suffocating the Red Bulls. And that takes a ton of effort. And the fact that they got through it uh, is, is I think a pretty big deal. I hope it's a pretty big deal for the players. They should be delighted with themselves. Yeah, the, everyone in the technical staff should be really, really proud of of this result in these circumstances, especially because this is the first home win against the Red Bulls since before Audi Field opened. Mm-hmm. This is the first time the Red Bulls have ever lost at Audi Field, and they can't hold that over us anymore, thankfully. Um, less thankfully, injuries are showing up again. Um, Jason alluded to Owa Kamara earlier, who came out at halftime after taking a clearance off the face uh, in the first half, he was able to finish it, uh, but uh, there may have been signs of concussion that surfaced during halftime. I'm not mm-hmm. totally clear on what happened, but he may be dealing with concussion protocol going forward. We'll have to keep an eye out for his status. Uh, Nigel Roberta, who came in for Kamara, had to come out, I think, less than 20 minutes later after landing awkwardly at fighting for a, a long ball, basically. Uh, he was holding his groin. Claudia Pagan reported that it was a lower body injury, just mm-hmm. the generic uh, below-the-waist type injury. But if it's a groin, that could put him on the shelf for a little while. And if he and Ola Kamara are both out, then Shabani Bolivar step right up. Um, you might be getting the start in Cincinnati. We'll have to see. Um, and but- Jason Anderson step right up. So uh, not, not what you want to see on mm-hmm. the injury front, especially up top with, with two guys who have been scoring at a pretty good clip. They haven't been perfectly clinical by any means, but there's been enough chances for both of them uh, over the course of this season that they've been scoring goals at a pretty good rate per minute. Um, so definitely two guys that, that you could miss, but Bolivar has been pretty good for Loudon and it'll be fun to see him uh, see, see, you know, see if Julian Gressel can form a good connection with another Venezuelan striker. And, and, you know, I'll throw out that, um, you know, one thing to watch for, like, we don't know Roberto's status, you know, Losada said after the game that he didn't want to say for sure what, what exactly was wrong. Just that, in general, when you see a player needing to be helped off the field like that, that you have to anticipate that it's going to be a little while. Um, it, it made me think that perhaps because DC is right up against the roster cap right now in terms of just roster spots. Um, and to recall, let's say they want to recall Kamarni Smith uh, to add to the striker uh, stable uh, for United they have to free up an international spot to do that because they're also maxed out on that. Um, so this could be a situation where if Roberta is going to be out for six games, uh, you calendar wise, that, that sounds like six weeks, but in this compressed schedule, it means like two and a half weeks. Um, 
But yeah, they, we might see a situation where he is added to the injury report. I'm not. I'm just speculating on that from a um, well, and looking looking at the schedule and looking at United's needs. Um, you know, someone like Smith or Eric Sorga played 45 minutes for Loudon on the weekend, and I, I haven't. I know they played tonight. I haven't seen their lineup yet. Um, but yeah, this might become a situation that's difficult enough. United is short enough on strikers where. As Losada said, they finished the game without a true forward. Jordi Reyna was the striker, and I'm using scare quotes to say it, because Reyna's a second forward or a withdrawn kind of guy, and he and Yamil Assad ended up having to be the front line to end this game. And while that was manageable with a one nothing lead at home for a half hour or 20 minutes, give or take, um, that's not necessarily a recipe to succeed from the start on the road as I think it's what three of the next four are, are on the road. So I just, I just pulled up the Loudon United uh, lineup from tonight and Kamarni Smith started, but Eric Soriga was not even in the 18. Because cause so. he, played, he played 45 minutes and it was his first game in like three months. Yeah. So um, we have to recognize that DC is probably not just going to be like, all right, Sorga is going to play 90 uh, because our forwards right. are injured. Because United has shown a lot of discipline when it comes to an injured yeah. player, they're not going to just throw a guy yeah. out there when, to get through for one week. And and uh, I I don't, can't remember if you said this on Twitter or in our Slack or what, but uh, Jason has mentioned that Lucy Rushton has been much more aggressive with using those uh, 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 slots to put people on the injured reserve to free up roster spots mm-hmm. than uh, Dave Casper ever was. She she is is moving people around and 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 uh, freeing up things like Brendan Heinzike. Like Dave Casper would have never put Brendan Heinzike on the uh, injured reserve that fast, but Lucy Rushton did it immediately. Uh, and I feel like she's she's moving stuff around much faster than uh, Dave Casper is. So hopefully she'll be able to find a way to to make all these uh, pieces fit. And I, I will add here that um, one thing Losada said after the game was that he also straight up said that he hopes ownership will bolster the team. Um, yeah. And the transfer window is still open for a little while longer. Um, and United could find their way to add something to the team. But it won't be a straightforward thing. It might be a little complicated just from the fact that most of the players, necessarily most of the players that you would be looking at are international players. United's international spot situation is is not negative just full, one. Uh, negative two. Um, negative. Oh. They've got eight players that would require one. And, and right now, Smith and Sorga aren't on there because they're on loan with Loudon. Um, but if you want to bring them up, then necessarily – you have to say like, okay, Roberta is on the injured reserve for six games. Then you're only buying six games. Um, but, you know, this is the difference from in the past where it's not just a difference in Lucy Rushton being willing to use these mechanisms versus Dave Casper not willing to. It's also just DC used to just not have 30 players. They used to have 25 right. or 26. And so there was usually an extra spot because like the team just wasn't, the roster wasn't full. Um, and now the roster is full. Um, and so moving players in and out of these spots with these injuries, which I, I don't think this was part of the plan, the number of injuries no. that DC is dealing with, but um, it's going to be interesting to see if one, if they make a move and two, 
how do you accommodate that? Need? How, Not just I, for two or three games here, but like what happens when everyone is back more or less, uh, you know, other than we know Perez won't be back until like the last game of the season, if that. So, uh, Jason, how about we just trade for Daryl DK? <laughs> Take him off uh, Orlando's hands. Sounds great, uh, right? If Orlando wants to make a deal that works for DC United to bring him in, um, then that's great. But I, I have a feeling that uh, Orlando is probably not going to give up their uh, prospective $20 million transfer uh, <laughs> at this point. I think they're probably against that idea. That seems likely. Uh, elsewhere on the field, Kevin Paredes started this game not at his now customary left wing back position, but kind of as a second forward or left wing attacker. It was the, the formation was kind of fluid, but he, he started in a little bit more of an advanced role. Ben, this is something that you've actually talked about wanting to see. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, in the third minute, he was like, he, he, had the ball right at his feet and he just like clattered into it and should have had a goal just, but just like ran into the ball and just was like, what, what is this? And, and uh, no shot came off and it was saved. But um, I liked what he did. Like uh, it's, it's a different look for him, but it's also more, it's more his uh, preferred position. And if the team has to decide where they want to uh, envision him long-term. And if they see him long-term as a winger or, or an attacking midfielder, they need to start getting him into those uh, positions. And so I liked what I saw. I also liked what I saw from Drew Scundrich. He came back from injury and he can just like, there were a couple of times during this game where he just like took a ball down out of the air just, and just put it right on his feet and then was just able to play a great pass. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that uh, his wife plays for the Washington spirit. And so that's why he came to uh, DC United because he's a great player. And I'm uh, it's kind of ridiculous that he was in USL that long because he's a really good player and I'm glad he's playing for uh, DC United. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where his best position is yet. I don't know if it's in central midfield. I don't know if it's out on the wing, but he can, he can control a ball and put in a pass. And if you can do that, I feel like you're going to be finding yourself a good place to play on MLS teams uh, regularly. Yeah, Scundrich is a great depth piece at multiple positions, which is, you know, it's versatility you need. And he can he can put in a shift at, at a lot of them. Um, and in this one, he was kind of playing that Adrian Perez energy role um, where he, his job was just to, you know, work his ass off, basically, uh, on pressing and clogging passing lanes and then keep the ball moving and get into positions to, you know, head the ball on goal, as he did once. Uh, in this one, put it right at the keeper, but, you know, he got the shot on goal, which isn't always the case. With Paredes, uh, it's it's interesting. Like you said, it's where does the team want him to be? And I know he's he spent his youth career in more attacking positions, but he seems so well suited to the left wing back role in this specific tactical setup where he is in, essentially an attacking piece. 
as a wingback. Uh, he has a lot of defensive responsibilities, but the team is so pressing and he's so far up the field for so much of the game that he's in a lot of the same spots, even if he's nominally in a more defensive role. So I think showing that versatility maybe, you know, helps his sale price down the line because I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that he won't be in DC for uh, as long as I would like, which would be forever. I would love to see him just stay with this team as a lifer, but I, I'm, I I'm, I'm he's going to be in Europe sooner than later. Eight figures only. I do not accept anything under eight figures. Well, Adam, I think putting him up front uh, might help with that valuation. Adam, are you saying that you would like your team to succeed at soccer rather than just send players elsewhere to, to succeed elsewhere? Yes, and I would also like players who are who seem really wonderful on and off the field and are fun to root for to, to stay here um, because I want to continue rooting for them in a very local, accessible way. And obviously that's not how the world works, and it, it, maybe it's not how the wor- world should work either, but it does, you know, it creates an emotional response, certainly. Uh, uh, imagine, imagine wanting your local team to, like, have that connection with you. Um, it seems like one of the <laughs> popular misconceptions in MLS is that if if a player is going abroad, it means your team succeeded. And it's like, well, in a way, yes, but also now my team tomorrow, it will be worse. Um, so right. uh, exactly. there's a balance to be struck. And, and I think depending on who you're talking to, sometimes it's like, well, it's great for the national team. And it's like, yeah, but uh, I don't care about that. That's mm. not also I think the U S men's, the U S men's national team. I don't, mm, I, I don't, they're not my I, personal uh, first I priority. Mean, this, this podcast has been on the record for a long time as putting club over country when it comes to the national teams. And uh, we are all agreed on that front, I think. And we have been, since the podcast started, um, there there are a lot of American fans whose entry point into the game was the the national teams, and so they put the national teams first. That's not really how the three of us come at it, and right. I, I like that that's not because, you know, like-minded people and all that. But, uh, yeah, I, I want my team to win trophies, damn it. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to be FC Dallas. Um, no. What what FC Dallas is doing is pretty. I don't is really is really impressive um, that they've developed that many players. But like, imagine what they could be if those players had played a couple seasons for Dallas rather than developing, appearing like three times and then heading off to Bayern Munich or whatever. Um, it's or great or for if those they players, put those but tens of millions of dollars to anything, like they're not acquiring players within the league. They're not acquiring, well, acquiring good well, players Dallas, from outside the league. Dallas is also they do acquire players outside the league. They just acquire uh, they acquire bad players yeah, from outside the league. Exactly. They're really good at developing guys, but they are bad at identifying people. Or if just like if or if just the Red Bulls. I mean, I don't wish them success, but if they had kept uh, Jesse Marsh for a couple more years and kept all, all the players that were coming up with him, uh, I mean, I'm glad it didn't happen because they probably would have won MLS Cup, but. Uh, that's another uh, another area where a yeah. good coach and a good uh, academy could have done some things. It, it's good not are... to be part of the assembly line, I feel like. Right. Exactly. 
feel like we got away from this particular game, but that's okay. Eh. Uh, we're we're, eh. we're going to call this a show. Um, please uh, come back later in the week. We will be talking to Laurel Faylor from Queen City Press about FC Cincinnati in advance of DC United's game this weekend uh, over there in southwestern Ohio. Uh, if you are a Patreon patron, you will get early access to that. So if, you're in, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, patreon.com slash filibuster is where you can find more information and give us your hard-earned money. Uh, if you want to just read stories about DC United, go to blackandredunited.com. Uh, our tweets are at filibusterdcu or at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. I promise we do read them all. We're not always the best at responding except to advertising inquiries. Uh, so send those along to download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm told ratings and reviews are very helpful. Also very helpful, word of mouth. Please tell a friend about the show if you enjoyed what you heard here uh, on this episode. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. There's too much soccer still. I'm not well. You should go to a lake. <laughs> You're going to injure yourself if you go to a lake. Don't, don't give in the big lake. Thank you.